What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Social City Podcast, Episode 6. I'm your host, Omar Foster, at Old School Omar. This is my lovely wife, Abriana Sheree McGee. JK. Oh, <laughs> Abby Sheree Foster. Say what's up to the people, boo. What's up, people? <laughs> On today's episode, we will be chatting about breaking up with alcohol with special guest hosts, Dr. Paul Wilkes and Chef Andrew of the Good Life Meal Prep. We'll have the return of the game. I should have known that. And then get into our obsession of the week and close out with some gratitude, y'all. But first, we have our sponsor of today's episode, NAB Nail Bar, y'all. That's where it's at. NAB is a girl's best friend. NAB Nail Bar is owned and operated by the incredibly talented and gracious socialite Asia Nicole Brown. They are open from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. daily and have some of the best nail artists in the city. If you're looking for quality, attention, and detail, and design, NAB is for you. They specialize in gel X, gel design, lashes, and hand-painted artwork. They not only have some amazing artists, but also have an extensive menu of services, as well as their own line of products. Follow Nabulous Shop at Nabulous Shop to purchase for your nail salon or even your personal use. You know, I can always tell my wife has a nail appointment. Because she's screenshotting things off Pinterest, and most of the time she comes home disappointed because the design never turns out quite how she hoped. But since she has been going to Lala over at NAB, getting into Asia, she's an amazing athlete. She's an amazing person. Yeah. We're so lucky to have her come into our gym. She's like that sneak attack athlete, too. It's like she's new to CrossFit, but then comes in and like just busts out a 30-inch 30 inch box jump like no big deal yeah like a natural athlete totally right? like some hidden talent she never knew she had it totally so thank you asia we are appreciative of your support and we love you girl yeah head over to nab nail bar girl show them nails boo. Mm-hmm. oh look at them things some stars <laughs> so here we go y'all after 14 years of being in the health and fitness space we have heard hundreds of collective stories conversation and, and perspectives that have created so much inspiration in our own lives that we wanted to bring them beyond the four walls of the gym and share them on a greater platform our goal is to share some of our favorite personalities stories and perspectives that continue to inspire us episode six we're back at it again <laughs> back at it again with another one it was a good week we had uh, an awesome family date on Valentine's we Day. We did. We took the kids. Took the kids over to Oja. That used to be like our date spot before we had kids. We even got in a fight there about imaginary kids. <laughs> we did. We did. About whether when they could watch a PG-13 movie. <laughs> yeah. We were going Parenting off. was so much more simple back then. Abby was like, our kids will not watch PG-13 movies. Hold on. Until- context. Okay, we had just gone and seen Ted, and I remember, like, obviously not a kid movie, and there was, like, a five-year-old sitting in front of us, and I couldn't enjoy the movie because I was so, even, like, mom mode back then, it wasn't my kid, and I was, like, I mean, I was on one for sure, and we were sitting at dinner, and I was like, our kids will never watch that kind of stuff. We obviously grew up a little different on what we could watch, too, and yeah. we got in, like, a legit fight about our imaginary future Yeah, because Ted was a little over top for a six-year-old. We were like, bro, what are you doing? A little? Old kid or Ted? Like, this is not appropriate. So we were going back and forth on, like, whether or not our kid would be allowed to watch Avatar. No, you, no, he said PG-13, and then you brought up Avatar, okay. and I was like, oh, I guess you're right. <laughs> but, like, you know... I was like, come on, Avatar's PG-13. Yeah, come now we now. don't even we don't even have a TV. Now we don't have a TV. So oh how things have changed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm I'm still marinating on episode five. Mm. We got some awesome feedback from that uh how we saved our marriage episode, just diving deep and being vulnerable about the things that we went through and the obstacles that we've gone through. And what I kind of realized is like, I mean, marriages are hard. Yeah. Relationships are hard, and you're gonna go through obstacles and face hard times. But you don't really hear like people talking about those mm-hmm. things and you don't hear people discussing what it is that helped get them through the trenches, like similar to what we went through. Yeah. And some of the messages that we got last week, they were so encouraging and so supportive of us sharing our story. But also there were some really heartbreaking ones that just made me realize the importance of kind of having those conversations. And I, I know when we got done filming, we kind of walked out and we were like, OK, like that felt good. Like, I hope it was helpful. And it was good to know that it reached so many people, even if their marriages like hadn't worked out or the relationship hadn't worked out to know that there was still value in the conversation. So yeah, hard conversations to have, but you know, they're usually worth it on the other side. So thank you again for all the support. If you guys weren't able to catch that episode, got to go back and watch it. Y'all episode five, how Mm -hmm. we saved our marriage. But today I'm so excited Mm -hmm. to welcome two of the most inspiring men in my life. Both have had a profound impact on me, 
shared some life-changing moments, and are two men I deeply admire and look up to. Welcoming to the show first is my boy, my boy Blue, Team <laughs> Team Green Army, <laughs> Chef Andrew. Chef Say what's Andrew. up to the people, bro. What up, what up? Mariah's best friend. Shout out to the Green Army. <laughs> <laughs> my guy Andrew, man. We, I mean, I would consider Andrew a really good friend, and I don't have many of those uh, this day and age. Just someone I can reach out to and talk, talk to about anything, man, like struggles that we're going through, being an entrepreneur and being in business as a small business owner, you know, we're going through different op- our own different set of obstacles in that arena, you know, so it's always cool and inspiring to link up with my boy Andrew when I'm in need and just chat, chat and share what we're going through, man. Maybe sing about it. Yeah. Uh, Andrew trained under Gordon Ramsay. He was an executive chef at a multi-million dollar restaurant on the Las Vegas Strip before taking off on his own venture, The Good Life Meal Prep. Offering catering, uh, drive-up meal prep, pickup at his new brick and mortar, and now he's launching a cooking class tonight. Yeah, tell him about the cooking class, Andrew. That's right. This is a check off the bucket list. We'll be hosting our first ever date night cooking class that we launched for just in time for Valentine's Day with the help of my friend Omar. Year of Execution 2024. Yeah, yeah. buddy. So this is going to be our first one. We're welcoming nine couples to our restaurant where we will facilitate a cooking class where where I'll teach them how to make a beef wellington just like Gordon Ramsay showed me how to make a beef wellington. Yeah, I love it, man. We've talked about the beef wellington on a couple of past episodes. Man, we're excited for everyone who's attending tonight. Yeah, it's going to be such a good time. Our next special guest is honestly (laughs) one of our first members. Yeah. Like we had legacy members on, but this guy was with us 14 years ago. That's right. Came out to Willows Park where we all started as a boot camp, as Camp Fit Force. And he was an absolute animal. Yeah. I thought he was like (laughs) mid-40s and I was like, how's this guy doing it? Uh, I also had the pleasure of doing some personal training with him when I first broke into the fitness industry at 24-Hour Fitness. And I mean... I remember you walking in to 24-Hour Fitness and just, like, full of confidence, man. I was like, look at this guy. He was decked out in Lululemon from head to toe. Like, they literally walked into the gym and, like, lifted up their shirts and just was, like, showing off their abs in the mirror, like, flexing. And they were just like, what's up, ladies? And I was like, dude. This guy's got the sauce. This guy's got the sauce. I want to be like them when uh, I'm that age. I'll never forget when I met Paul... I didn't realize he was Dr. Wilkes. So I only knew ever knew him as Paul at the, at the park. And we would just go back and forth, like race each other up the stairs who could get more pushups, like always talking smack to one another. And then when I realized that he was like, you know, the baby doctor, like the Dr. Paul Wilkes, <laughs> I'll never forget looking at him. And you and I had only been dating a few months. And I looked at you and I said, if this works out and I marry this guy yep. and he knocks me up, you know, I'm going to send you a text. And seven years later, I sent that text and he delivered not just Uriah and Selah, but our whole family now, all of the cousins, except for Asher, because you were on vacation. He came early. Mm-hmm. But all of my whole family has now been introduced to the very amazing Dr. Paul Wilkes. Yeah, say what's up to the people, Dr. Thank Wilkes. Thank you. Thank you. What's up? What's, what's up? up? <laughs> Pete Daddy in the head. <laughs> Man, I got to say, like, you made that whole experience of having a kid so enjoyable for me, you know, just to have you, you know, at Camp Fit Force and to have you like as a friend prior to going into the whole pregnancy and and having a kid process, you know, like going to these checkups that are usually like female dominant. It was like, we're going on a weekly basis to see like our boy, like, what's up, what's up, Dr. Wilkes, how you doing, man? It was so good to catch up. And then to have you there, like for delivery on top of having Steph Mello was like our nurse, who was another old client of mine. Yeah, we had a real personalized experience. It was a very personalized, smooth, just like enjoyable thing for us, man. And I can't thank you enough for, for that. Yeah, thank you. Thank I mean, literally, the- it was like the appointments. I didn't, I mean, I cared about seeing the baby and whatnot, but I was just excited to like see your friend. I remember after Sailor, I was like, are we going to have to have a third kid just so we can go see Will? <laughs> totally, totally. I'm like, I have an itch to see him and maybe have another baby, but just an excuse to see you. So, uh, doc- so Dr. Wilkes owns Desert Perinatal here in Las Vegas, widely celebrated in his field. He's a man committed to his city and community. He's on the board of directors for two local foundations and donates his time and medical care to the Women of Safeness and Shade Tree. Those are local domestic violence shelters. Uh, he's a father of three, loves writing. This is one of my favorite. CrossFits 
and traveling. I took that straight from the website, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds familiar. Yeah, you're like, I've heard this one before. I got I to update that. <laughs> like, the fact that it says CrossFit, though, Owen and I were talking about, it's like, yeah, you need to have a doctor that understands you and like what you do. And I remember getting so much heat for when I was still being active mm -hmm. during my pregnancy. And I would always tell people how amazing it was to have someone that like understood my abilities, trusted me, gave me sound advice around it. And wasn't just like, Oh, you're pregnant. Don't move. Don't do anything. You're now like unable to do anything. So yes, yeah, and one, the fact that it was on the website, I was like, See, this is yeah. why I love it so much. Step one, find yourself a doctor who does CrossFit. For sure. He actually closed. He's actually, Closed out our first promo video we ever did for Camp Fit Force 14 years ago. You remember that video from yes, the park? I kind do. of embarrassing. Quan, you got that video? Could you <laughs> roll roll the footage? At Force, you know woo. That's right sick. There. You can believe that. <laughs> <laughs> you can believe that. Oh, watching that video last night and just die first off it's like three minutes long like no one does a promo video that long anymore no one has the attention span for it. it's like 30 seconds tops yeah but the end of that video is a soundbite that has lived in my head for 14 years forever yeah you it's can the believe classic. that you can believe that fit force you know we, we, we've been doing that for 14 years bro you can believe that <laughs> now boys now boys you're you're not new to us but you're new to the podcast so we got to get you guys three intro questions you're gonna tell everyone your name Tell them something cool on your bucket list, and then your favorite Disney classic movie. Three, two, one, go. All right. My name is Andrew Pro. What's Hi, up, Andrew? Andrew? What's up? What's up? On the bucket list is a throw out a first pitch at a Major League Baseball game. That would oh, be sweet. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. My uh, favorite Disney movie is Mighty Ducks 1. Ooh. Ooh. Flying V. Yeah, Eccentric, Flying dude. V. Those Green are, Army. Green Army. Those are some good that's answers. Right. I love that. Three, two, one, go. Name Paul Wilkes. What's, What's up, up, Paul? What's up? What's up? <laughs> uh, bucket list. I would go uh, um, number one, having a grandbaby. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Why do I get so emotional? Because <laughs> we're parents now yeah, and totally. all in our feelings. I know, I know. Number one really is get a hole in one, but grandbaby <laughs> grand sounds more sensitive. Um, favorite classic Disney movie. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, that's my damn. favorite. I know. No wonder you guys favorite. get along yep, so well. Snow White totally. and the Seven Dwarfs. I love yeah, that. Yeah, First Princess. Yeah, that's First awesome. Princess movie. Yeah. All right. So before we start to dive into our topic at hand and discuss us breaking up with alcohol, we're gonna get into a game that we brought back. I should have known that. I should have known that. We got three questions for you guys. If you guys got the answer, just yell them out. We'll do best of three. Sound good? Get a little competitive, boys. I'm in. All right, here we go. I believe in you. I'm not great Team at Team Snow White. I'm not great Neither at Neither am I. <laughs> First question. What does someone with acrophobia fear? Spiders. Um, agrophobia? Acrophobia. Is that like um, oh, that's being, afraid, being afraid of being around large crowds and people? Close. I thought it was spiders, too. The answer is heights. Um, oh, that's acrophobia. Me. All right. Heights. It doesn't sound like it goes together, but no, because you're like acro. Yeah, what's the one where it's like you're afraid of things that are bigger than you? I think I have that because every time, if like I've walked <laughs> past a cruise ship, I'm not like a cruise ship person, but just walking past something of that magnitude, I always feel like it's gonna like fall on me or something. We'll, we'll have to look that up. Yeah, next episode we'll have assistants that are like googling <laughs> stuff for us, like the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, anyways, question two: How many cards are there in a deck of cards? Fifty-two. Tie? Tied, yeah. Tie. All right. We'll give I, it we'll give it a tie. I know I only know that fact because my cousin used to play the game 52 card pickup. Did anyone ever do oh, that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was so young and I just remember being like, he's like, let's play a game. 52 card pickup. And that's I told him I was like, that's the only reason I knew that stat. Because I don't know how to play poker it was just or anything. You. It told, I mean, like, pick those up. I'm always, <laughs> always. <laughs> always getting punked. Always. All right. We'll call this for all the marbles. Championship question. What does Homer Simpson do for a living? A nuclear plant <laughs> um, worker. Yeah. Dang, <laughs> no. you, I told Omar well, he's I was a like, safety, he was a safety inspector at a nuclear power plant. <laughs> I was telling Omar, like growing up, we were not allowed to watch The Simpsons. My dad was not a fan of letting us watch cartoons where the dad was portrayed as stupid because he was not about that life. Right now, I get it because now I'm a parent. But every time people bring up The Simpsons, I'm like, I, yeah. I'm like, I'm from that generation. I know nothing 
around it. Yeah. I probably should have been watching it either. <laughs> <laughs> I never once saw an episode. See? Not one episode. Episode. No. I think or, I found my spirit or, animal. You did, yeah. Or the Brady Bunch or Seinfeld. I was, yeah, I was forced to watch Seinfeld with my family, but that was never my yeah, sense of humor. Yeah, Not I never watched much. an episode of Seinfeld. Not no. much. Yeah, white no. people things, I think, Omar. All right, say. So that was our game. I should have known that. Hope that was fun for you guys. Let's do that. Was, fun. <laughs> that was, that was cool. a fun little icebreaker. So we're going to go into discussing our breakup with alcohol. And I just want to start with sharing my story on where it kind of started for me. Avi and I had just finished discussing trying to have a baby. Mm -hmm. We're like, all right, it's time. We want to start having a baby. And for me, I was like, man, all right, I want to be as optimal as I can possibly be. Like, I don't know what alcohol does to men, men's reproductive stuff, sperm, like if it's going to affect the child in any way. But I just knew that I wanted to be as optimal as I could possibly be. So I was like, I'm cutting it out. Um, on top of just the way the fitness culture back was back then, it was like oh, yeah. you'd work out hard Monday through Friday, and then mm. Friday night everyone wanted to party. It was like let's go out. Friday and party night wads and... were like a thing, or beer wads were like a thing for a long time. Yeah, so it was like party Friday, brunch on Saturday, brunch on Sunday, and then mm. roll around Monday it just felt like crap, you mm. know. And it wasn't like something you could bounce back from Monday or Tuesday. Like you wouldn't feel back to yourself until. Wednesday or Thursday and you're repeating the cycle all over again. So that was another reason I was like, you know what? I'm tired of putting all this work just to waste it on the weekend. So um, it was trying to have a baby and then on top of fitness and then we rolled into a new year and I feel like someone challenged me. They're like, oh, now that you're two months in, do you think you can make it a year? And I was kind of like, well, yeah, two months. I'm kind of over it by now. And I and then we found that you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, like you're not going to drink while you're pregnant and I'm not going to drink while you're pregnant and just like <laughs> do it alone. So that's kind of like where the journey started. Well, in. and I remember, I can't remember who it was, but it was someone in the gym that was like, oh, I bet you can't. And I remember just sitting there thinking like, clearly you've never challenged Omar on something. It's like, I know if I want you to go, I'm like, if I tell you to go left, you're going to go right because yeah. you are not one to be told what to do. So like from anyone. So for someone to look and be like, a bit you can't just even have a sliver of doubt in you. I was like, I knew it was like game on at that point. Yeah. So now it's been seven years for me. Yeah. You know? Uh, just like time flew by looking back, I would have never thought that I'd be where I am today. So I just wanted to see if you guys could share a little bit uh, about your journey and what led you to breaking up with alcohol and also how it was like being sober changed your life. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I love this topic. And, um, you know, it's interesting to hear someone who broke up with alcohol for healthy reasons because mm -hmm. that's not my world. Yeah. Mm. People in my world who break up with alcohol, it's because they burned it to the ground. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So alcohol for most people is celebratory or let's loosen up a little bit or alcohol for me is medicine. Mm. Alcohol for me is the quickest way to go from changing how I feel now to how I could feel mm. in the next 20 or 30 minutes mm -hmm. because I don't like discomfort. Mm. I don't like feeling not good. Yeah. And I discovered very early on at about the age of 12 years old that there was this magic elixir that could make me feel better. Mm. The problem is there's never enough. And it's been proven medically and enzymatically that when you guys drink, you turn alcohol into water and aldehyde. Aldehyde's a poison, like formaldehyde. Mm -hmm. That goes back to your brain and says, cut it out. In true alcoholics, we have an enzyme that turns alcohol into water and a heroin derivative mm. that then goes back to your brain and says, get me more of that mm. at all cost. Physical, mental, emotional, moral, spiritual, financial. No voice is louder mm -hmm. than that voice of get me more wow. until you make a decision to get into recovery. Mm. And so my journey was, I had a moment when I was a freshman at UCLA and I was a biochemistry major, I wanted to be a doctor, and I was just partying. I wasn't going to classes. I was failing out of school. And I made a decision at that point, if I want to accomplish my life's goals, I need to remove this from my life. Yeah. And did for 12 years. Wow. And then accomplished all my goals and dope back into it. Mm. Wow. Which did not go well. 
Yeah. When you hear alcoholics talk about my disease of alcoholism, and I believe it is a disease, my disease of alcoholism got stronger in the 12 years that I was abstinent. It's absolutely true. It got stronger. And my first day back drinking of 12 years of doing nothing was worse than any of my previous Mm. days of drinking from when I first picked up when I was 12. Wow. So what I had to do was I had to find a substitute for changing how I felt Mm -hmm. that didn't involve drugs and alcohol. And the substitute for me was not substance-based. It was spiritual. Because mm. in order for me to change the way I feel, I need to change the way I think. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to change so the way good. I think, I have to admit I'm not the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> okay? Praise. No one comes into Alcoholics Anonymous on a winning streak. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I finally sat down shut up, listened, and bought into a program of recovery that is spiritually based, um, I was out of options. Yeah, man. That's an amazing story. It really is. It. My mom was an alcoholic. I, I, I haven't drank in a, almost 18 months now, but like we had kind of tapered off like after having kids. And then with all my autoimmune stuff, it's like even to have like a glass of wine was off the table because it would just destroy me. And I'd be like, what am I doing? I'm doing all this work to try to holistically heal myself. And then I'm having two cocktails and feel like crap for two or three days. But it's always really healing for me to hear people in recovery. After I lost my mom to alcoholism, um, I remember I used to watch, uh, what's that show? Intervention. Mm -hmm. And my family would come in and I would just be bawling and crying. And it would, I always felt a sense of hope though at the end, if like, because you know, most of the stories are tragic. It's like they're back on the cycle a month later, but the ones that made it, I would watch and I would always get like a little bit of healing from that story and a little bit of healing and hope and knowing that like not every story ends the way that my family's story ended. Cause it was so tragic. And I watched this person that was like, a Disneyland mom and every everything that is good in the way that I mother, that the special things that Omar points out sometimes, it's like, man, that's my mom. And I lost mm. that so quickly. And she was 47 when she passed. Mm. And now it's like, especially we're coming up on 40 this next year. I have so much perspective on like, not just the loss of how young she was, but just perspective of age and whatnot. And so hearing stories of healing and recovery and like people that made it like that always helps me too, in a way like that heals my heart and gives me hope to know it's like, man, not every story ends like that. Like there is tragedy in the story, but there is hope. There is hope. And it's so refreshing to hear people share it. Right. Like people actually discuss it. I think especially in your profession, I don't think that that's something we talk about it a lot in the gym internally where it's like you see these high success jobs, these high pressure jobs, and there's this expectation. And so it's like we don't talk about the messy stuff. We don't talk about this thing that can plague an industry from stress or whatnot. And it's not something that's openly discussed or appreciated. So I just really applaud you, A, for being such an advocate to talk about it, but, but also just like. It helps me heal, like it hearing does. people that made it, you know? Yeah, for sure. It We're, is, uh, there's a lot of exposure and a lot of liability mm-hmm. in the medical profession. Totally. And raising your hand and saying, I need help, mm-hmm. you know? And statistically, about 12% of healthcare professionals are in active addiction. Wow. And in active addiction, everyone. Because if you're good at it, you keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. But everyone's telling you how great you are and how wonderful you are. And you're my guy and you're my go-to. And whenever I'm in the in the weeds, you're my first call. Yeah. But then you raise your hand and you say, I'm uh, sick yeah. and I'm working on getting better. And you are immediately ostracized. Wow. It is still in the, in the medical community, unfortunately, viewed as a defect of character mm. or or lack of discipline, or being morally bankrupt. Yeah. And really, all it is, is we are people in a tremendous amount of pain. Mm -hmm. And many alcoholics in active addiction, your options 
are not getting drunk or staying sober, when you're in that much pain, your options are the bullet or the bottle. Yeah. It's that level of pain that you're treating with alcohol and drugs. You will treat your pain one of two ways, Mm -hmm. by ending it or by medicating it. But what I had to realize was I'm responsible for treating my alcoholism. And there are two ways to treat alcoholism, with alcohol or with recovery. Mm, Praise. It's a short list. Yeah. You are going, if you have a brain like mine, and if you are sensitive and high achieving and an egomaniac with an inferiority complex, (laughs) you are going to treat that pain. Mm -hmm. But through a lot of hard work, we get to choose, you know, what tool are we going to grab out of the toolbox? So good. So good. It's it, it resonates so much with me because I think with my mom and my background and then I was in beverage for 15 years and part of our gig was going out. No, and I met, I was going out seven nights a week, like full send. And that was such a normal thing, Andrew. I'm sure you can kind of talk to this too. When you're in the industry, especially this town, it's so normal. It's such a normal thing to be going out six nights a week, five nights a week. Everyone's consuming. And so it's just a normal, it's just, very regular. And I remember O was probably one of the first people in my social circle that kind of looked at me and was like, it's a Tuesday. What yeah, are you doing? And I was like, on a school night. Like what is going on? <laughs> but it was because, you know, I wrote it off at like military background. You don't understand. This is a part of my job. And then I remember at one point my family was worried because I was in my twenties and I mean, I was full gas hitting the gas and I am like outgoing and charismatic and it's, I'm fun until I'm not when I would consume and then O and I ramped up for a period of time as well. And it's like it exposed a lot of holes in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And then I think after we had kids, it changed for me, too. It's like why we cut back significantly, because I just thought, like, why am I playing with the thing that destroyed my family? It has put me in therapy for years. I have this these this pain that I still carry that I work on every day that I am worthy because I felt like I wasn't enough for my mom. And even though I understand her disease now and I have empathy and I have such a different perspective than I did, there's still that that hurt little kid in me mm-hmm. that I have to soothe and remind myself and kind of keep that perspective of grounded. Because now it's like, I feel like I see her in a way I never did. I understand her in a way I never did. And I have so much grace for the pain that she was in because I'm past like being in the presence of my anger. Yep. But I just remember after looking at our kids at a very young age. And I remember I only was hung over one time after we had our kids. I had gone out, overconsumed, was hung over, and I couldn't take care of Uriah. And I just thought to myself, I will never do this again. I will never do this again to them or to myself. Dwindled off from there. And then it just got to a point where I was like, why am I, why am I even opening the door on something that like we don't need to have a good time? It's not adding value to my life. And I can definitely have a full list of things that I wish I could take back that I did when I was consuming things I said, behaviors I exhibited, and then feeling the need to play into that part for so long too, because that became like a part of my identity. Yeah, that's I mean, what that's one thing I take like major pride in as a dad. Is yeah. I'm like, man, it feels good knowing that I've given my kids one hundred percent and never had a moment of, Oh, dude, how's dad feeling? Did he go out last night? It's like, nope. You're getting 100% of me. You want to play tag? We're playing tag. For sure. That's very interesting that you say that because in my household, my dad didn't drink. He still doesn't drink. Mm. I was raised around not a lot of alcohol. Uh, When we go to family functions, there wasn't a lot of alcohol. Yeah. My parents were divorced. So I did see alcohol when uh, my mom got divorced or my mom and dad got divorced and they remarried and my stepdad and his his friends would drink. And that was kind of like the first introduction of seeing people like have fun drinking and but when my parents got divorced around 12 years old um that's when i was experiencing a lot of pain thank you for sharing that dr paul i can relate totally to that and having the pain and discovering that liquid that can absolutely wipe all that out Mm. so getting drunk in the summer of 1998 was the sent me down a course where changed my life forever i mean since then I suffered from addiction from the very start. It was amazing at the time, and it became like a part of my personality. So going into mm. seventh, eighth grade, and then into high school, that's when you start, you know, you're still a little kid, but you're 
You I'm think starting, you're not though, right? No, you know, yeah, it's like so you feel so grown and you know so much. And the world revolves around alcohol. When's the, when we're going to get the next fix? Drugs, alcohol. So that became just part of a, my personality. And not knowing that every drink I took, I was getting deeper and deeper into an addiction. Mm. So when I got got into the workforce as a chef, you start hearing stories about this is how chefs live. Mm-hmm. It's okay. There's like a culture attached to that. Right. Yeah. It's almost like this is what we do. We're we're pirates. We play with sharp knives and fire and we get drunk and we this is what we do. So I got myself into a lot of trouble by being a part of that lifestyle, you know, and then I think the the worst thing that could happen for me was I got the keys to the liquor cabinet when I became a manager or a chef on the strip. Mm, so wow. now I have access to the whole liquor cabinet. And I would start my day when I walk into work knowing I, I'm in, headed into a 12, 14 hour shift. It's probably my fifth or sixth day in a row. I'm in pain physically and emotionally, mentally. I would start my morning at 10 a.m. with a big glass of gin because it smelled not too awful and it looked like water and I can walk around with it. Wow. So that's 10 a.m. to about 5 p.m. service would start. Now I'm feeling pretty good. Now they're passing out drugs. Now I'm doing drugs. And I'm supposed to be leading these people when I'm coping with my pain and my addiction. Yeah. And I think that God pulled me out of those situations. I was removed from those situations, whether it being transferred to another kitchen, not knowing why I'm being transferred, or inevitably I was fired from Herringbone Restaurant at the Aria in 2019 when my addiction was becoming full-on blown, diving into a deep, deep, deep abyss. Mm. So not knowing why that I was being removed from these situations, thinking it's always someone else's fault. It's always someone else's fault. I, I didn't understand why it was happening, but now I understand that it was happening for a reason to pull me out and close doors where I could be led into more danger. Yeah. Isn't that like the craziest thing to look back on different moments of our life where it's like, I, I call them God winks when they're like little things, but it's like, man, it's crazy the lowest points in my life, the things that have hurt me the most, the moments I had the least amount of hope, I look back now and I see so clearly that mm-hmm. it was God. Like, oh, he says like picking us up off one path and just placing us somewhere else, whether it's like a door closed or a relationship. Yeah, and it's usually sending you through the trenches, you know? Yeah. Like when it happens, it's like a really hard time to face. And some people, if they don't, if they're not open to that possibility, that opportunity passes them by. And they missed it, you know, like they missed the train. And then I feel like God's like, all right, you missed that one. I said another one by. another one by, you know. And I'll honk the horn a little louder this time. Maybe it might be a little bit more. Su- I mean, sometimes it's almost like in the suffering is like where you find the faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The storms, I think, and, and this has changed for me in the last two years. Um, last year, my 25-year-old son was diagnosed with lymphoma. He's oh. doing fine. My 28-year-old daughter was facing a major surgery and possible life-changing surgery. Mm. She's doing better. And we got to um, kind of mid-December, and I looked at my wife. I go, thank God this year's over. And I get a call that my 19-year-old daughter say, uh, admitted to UCLA with seizures. What? And it was like one after the other after the other. And it was one of the most beautiful years of my life. And I've had a lot of beautiful years because I realized in those moments that God wants me to be happy and healthy and whole. Mm -hmm. And the way that I'm pursuing that is ineffective. So he's going to put me in a storm. Mm. My job was to realize when you can't control the storm, control your reaction to it. <laughs> and mo- oh, most storms in life we don't control. Never. Okay? We don't control the outcome. But but we have we have control over our emotions. Yeah. And I have never there's I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. There's not a year in my life I've ever been closer to God than last year because there it got so big 
that I didn't have any other option. Mm-hmm. And, to, and you just had to surrender. I just knew at the end of each storm that the purpose of that storm was to draw me closer mm-hmm. to God and to strengthen my faith. Amen. And that. when I look back on it now, I go, what a beautiful thing yeah. for God to do for me, to put me in this fire yeah. to teach me that I needed to lean in even more. Yeah. You know? Oh, uh, I have chills now. <laughs> that reminds me, that totally reminds me of Pastor Shane. He told us the story of the buffalo. And the buffalo is the only animal that will run into a storm and mm-hmm. while other while the, all the other animals will run away from a storm and the storm will just chase him and chase him and chase him and the buffalo will just go straight through it knowing that if they can just go through this suffering just for a little bit and just get it over with and approach it head on that they'll get onto the other side. There's into, freedom on into the other light. side of that. Yeah. You yeah. go to the crossing. I do. I go to the crossing. I'm there every Sunday. Oh, so, oh, oh look at this. Brothers in Christ. I go to the crossing. I tell you a real quick story. So when my wife and I first started dating every Sunday, I would say, um, you know, and we were together all the time. I would say, okay, I'll meet you for lunch. <laughs> and about the third or fourth Sunday in a row, she was like, where are you going on Sunday? That I said, well, I go to this church. It's called the crossing. She goes, why didn't you tell me about that? And I said, I didn't want to like force anything on you. And she goes, I go to the cross and I'm Oh Sunday. my gosh. Oh, that's awesome. So we were, we were splitting up <laughs> on Sunday so morning, <laughs> sitting on opposite sides of the church and then meeting for lunch. Oh and neither of us brought it up. See, God wings. That's so awesome. That is, is that a, wild? That is awesome. I mean, it's like, I, I feel like those are the stories. Like, it's like people are like, those are coincidences. It's like, no, there's no, no such thing as coincidences. No. I, I have had so many moments in my life that it's like, I'm like, I know God is real and you can never tell me that he's not because the experience that I've had, there's no explanation. I'll tell just a quick story. I had, my mom had given me a Bible when I was baptized in high school. And when my mom's addiction had peaked, she had gotten rid of everything in the house that we, my parents literally built with their own hands, had gotten rid of everything, boarded up the windows, had really kind of lost it at that point mentally. And so, so much of my childhood was given to thrift shops, like God knows where, right? Years later, years later, I get a call or a text from an old member we had not spoken to, Mama D. Like, no. so five years, like, I, I don't think I had actually talked to her in probably like five years or something. It had been a moment. And I was in a season right when I had had Uriah that I'd been praying to God. I was like, I just miss my mom. I just miss my mom. This is a season I really could have used some advice on what to do and not to feel lonely. Wait, I don't mean to interrupt, but it, she called us, I think. No, I'm going to get oh, to okay, that. Okay, so sorry. she texted. Yeah. And it was like kind of late and not like, oh, like it's like almost eight. I don't really want to get on the phone. And then she called me and then I'm panicking because my empath brain is going off. I'm like, someone died. <laughs> what happens? I answer the phone. She's like, Abby, you're not going to believe this. Is your full name Aubriana Cherie? She's like, it has to be you. Aubriana Cherie McGee. And I was like, yeah, why? why? She collects books. She had gone to a thrift store years before and bought a Bible. Stop. Had never opened it. And sometimes she would open Bibles and just pray over it. God, what do you want me to see today? Right? She collects books because she's in the book industry. It was my Bible. That is wow. so wild. Wow. Whoa. It was my Bible that my mom had written in the day I got baptized. Whoa. And told me how much she loved me. That's it's neat. like, that's neat. and I have that Bible cool. now that is neat. and it's like, those are the types of things yep. where I'm like, t- don't tell, tell me God is not real. Yeah. Cause could've that, anywhere. that could've, could've been been anywhere. anywhere. And I mean, she had to, the gap of time, my mom's been gone 17 <clears throat> years. So the gap of time, she had had that year, that Bible for almost probably like seven years, 10 years, never opened it just cause she had a collection of those things. And it was in a season that my specific prayer was like, God, I miss my mom. Mm-hmm. Like, let her that. speak to me, like show her, like let, reveal her to me in, in ways that I can connect with her and whatnot. And then that happened. I sat on the couch for like two hours. It was just bawling. So God's real, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> God's real. All right, we'll get into another uh, to the next question. If you guys, I know you guys are both into to fitness and working out and your health. Uh, can you talk about how fitness and living a healthy lifestyle has impacted your recovery? Andrew? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the it's a pillar in my life. I have to 
show up, it's almost like an obsession. I mean, I have to be careful that I don't make it an addiction as well, mm -hmm. because sometimes I have to talk myself out of not going, give myself a, a little rest. But yeah, I mean, if I don't go, it's going to be, I'm a different person, the way I treat people, the way I react to things, my temperament, my mood, the whole thing encompasses the way I, I move through my, throughout my day and how I conduct business. It, it really helps me stay focused, helps me stay focused on what I'm eating, what I'm consuming. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. I, I, I need man. it. Yeah. I love that. What about you, Wilkes? How would you say fitness? And um, it's always been a part of my life. Mm -hmm. I did, uh, Ironman triathlons. I ran cross country in college small program i suck it <laughs> wasn't just like, minimize it <laughs> it wasn't like that but yeah i really like what you said about the mental aspects of mm -hmm. it right so like i'm a, i'm 57 mm -hmm. and when we first met um but but when we first met i was probably in peak shape of my life i was you're like, an animal i was there was nothing that was going to stop me i was taking on all challenges oh, yeah. and you know as i've gotten older my relationship with fitness has changed mm -hmm. i you know banged up bat injuries spinal fusion year and a half ago Jeez. um just and so what i've had to do is i've had to Accept the fact that doing something each day is valuable. Yes, because, consistency. Because my head was that if I'm not going to a two-hour boot camp mm -hmm. in the park where I'm trying to keep up with this animal, <laughs> yes. which, by the yeah. way, I think I'm like 0 for 100 on, on push-ups. And, <laughs> and the stair sprints. The stair sprints. That was always my jam. Not a chance. <laughs> but, you know, I've had to change that and... And like you were saying, stay away from that addictive personality because my life has had an on-off switch and I've had to install a dimmer switch, mm -hmm. right? Including with exercise. So now, like this morning, got up, my wife and I walked the dogs. My wife's also in recovery. Huge blessing mm, to have a partner. Wow. Like we we have a rule only one of us can be crazy <laughs> at a time. <laughs> so I have that. But got up, walked the dogs, um, went on like a three mile walk with the dogs, came home, did a sauna, did a cold plunge, came, came here. Now, for a lot of people, that might be more than they do in a week. Yeah. But for me, when we first met, that was my oh, warm up. Yeah, like totally. now I'm ready to get going. Yeah. So my relationship with exercise has changed, but I can tell you this: if I go more than about 72 hours without doing something, it's not a good look. Yeah. I feel like he is literally my spirit animal in <laughs> yeah, so many sure. ways because it's like we always talk about how I have one speed, or like I go in, I have, a, I have to force myself to rest. I have to force myself, like my. My version of like taking it easy is never easy because I like I am I have such an addictive personality trait. Like I know that gene lives within me. I tell all the time, I'm like, I've channeled it mostly for good. And but it's like walking that line for mm -hmm. me of like even the good stuff can be not good when it becomes that completely on, like mm -hmm. all gas, no break. Yep. I, I broke my cold plunge like streak. Sorry about it. I know. It was hard. But it's like even that mentally, I was like, I had 44 days under my belt. I had 44 days under yep. my belt. Yeah, now I have to break good. it. And it's like, it's good things for me, though, to like not always need to be on the gas. Don't always have to be on the gas. The I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. So faith has been a catalyst for some major changes in my life and our marriage. How has faith impacted your journey? I know we just talked about it briefly, uh, but how has it impacted your journey up to this point? I was raised going to church every Sunday. We went to Christ Episcopal Church on Maryland Parkway. <laughs> Local right there. Yeah. And then we would go out to brunch as a family. Mm -hmm. And it was, I knew all the prayers by heart. I knew all the songs by heart. I, I, yeah. Okay. Yep. And I pulled back from religion when I went to medical school. Yeah. I graduated from Pepperdine University, so there was kind of a religious yeah. uh, background there. But I pulled back from religion. And it wasn't until I was sitting in a meeting of AA, because there's a lot of talk back and forth in AA about like God, right? 
Like there are people there that don't want to hear the word God. There are people that don't even want to say the word God. And what's beautiful about recovery, it's, it's a, it's a power greater than yourself Mm. of your own understanding. So your God could be the AA meeting. Your God could be the ocean. Your God could be Jesus who died on the cross, could be anything in between. And I heard something so beautiful. They said that, that religion was for people who were afraid of going to hell, and spirituality is for people who have already been there. Oh. And I was like... I'm like, two snaps I was that. like, bingo. Yeah. Okay? It's such a different experience. Bingo. And so I love going to our church, right? Mm. I love it. Mm. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait for the music. First Same. time I walked in the cross, I was like, are those drums on stage? <laughs> Where's the organ, right? right. And the music was yeah. amazing. Yes. I listen to when I'm doing my cold plunge, I listen to worship music. Yeah, he sent me his worship. I'm telling you, this is like, my I favorite. Too, right? yeah. Yeah. I listen to worship music. Yeah. Every moment that I start to feel bad about something my immediate thought is that's so disrespectful to god Mm. god made you perfect Perfect. and he wants you to be happy Mm -hmm. i didn't get that message sitting in the pews of christ episcopal church i got that message sitting in dimly lit smoke-filled rooms with a bunch of drunks and drug addicts and ex-cons or as i like to call them my favorite people Yeah, (laughs) yeah yes and so for me it's just the spirituality, once I stopped trying to, you know, pigeonhole spirituality and religion and say, yeah. you know, well, you have to believe all the tenets of the Bible if you're going to be a good Christian. No, I have to listen to what God's telling me. I have to listen to the contemporary message today. And it's different than the message yesterday and likely different than the message God will send me tomorrow. But for me spirituality in my life has absolutely removed 99.9% of my fears Mm. and amplified every single one of my joys. I do not live in fear of anything. I could lose a child. I almost did last year. I could lose all my possessions. I could lose my wife. I would be heartbroken if any of those things happened. Yeah. But I know that I'm not going through it alone. Yes. And I know that there's a reason for the storm. It was designed. Yeah. It's not bad luck. It's good faith. Mm-hmm. Oof. So good. It's good to know that you're not alone. It's good to know that you're not alone in all this. And I've been part of uh, Celebrate Recovery. Do you, are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't gone to it. I pushed it away for the longest time and... Um, shout out to my wife, D, that she's just been the biggest encouragement mm. for my spirituality and my faith. And, and when I was struggling and not giving anything a chance, chance, she said, I think you should check this out. And I pushed it away knowing that I was going to be uncomfortable and I don't like being uncomfortable or make me want to go drink more. Mm. <laughs> so I pushed it away, but I, eventually I started going and I haven't stopped going. Um, I'm going on about 2,500 hours of being sober. Let's go, Andrew. Counting the hours is pretty pretty hard. But being in these rooms and being able to share in James 5, 16, it says, confess your sins and you will be healed or I will help heal you. So when you walk into these rooms, you have the opportunity to just talk. And it's very cool to just be able to speak your mind and what's hurting you and what you're you're going through and, Mm -hmm. and not have anybody there to fix you. Yeah. All they say is thank you for sharing. And and that just feels so awesome. Mm. And you just see these broken people in there. I'm one of them still. But you also see people that have so much victory in these rooms. That's right. And the other day I was in the room and these people that previously just came in so defeated with frowns on their faces and, and no joy, they were coming up to the table couldn't wait to speak about the victories. Ah, oh, it's so cool. Saying things like, I have my smile back. People are seeing things that are different about me. One after another, another. And, and it just became like this room of victory. And mm. it was just so beautiful. And 
what's even more beautiful, there's probably one or two guys that weren't like that. They're probably their first or second week. And, yeah. and for them to have the opportunity to see these men in there sharing these stories of where they were and that they could be that too, mm-hmm. it's you never know who needs you there. Mm. Sometimes... One of the gentlemen there, he's just, he, you can tell he doesn't really struggle with anything anymore, but he comes in there and he just, he just lets us know, like, I know how important it is for me to be here because Mm. one of you guys might need me to be here. God is pushing me here to tell you guys that there is light at the end and that you could too be healed from anything that you're, you're going through. Oh, it's so good. I love it, man. I'll tell you something that struck me when you knew the number of hours. Yeah. Right? I did and people, hours people don't understand that. That for an alcoholic, if you're, and again, I only speak for myself, you're an alcoholic and a drug addict like me, an hour is a miracle. Yeah. A day, come on. And, and I'll share with you just a few details of my own story. I had 12 years of sobriety and I relapsed. And then I got 13 years of sobriety and I relapsed. Mm. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Burn the boats. Right. Burn the boats. Not going back. Nowhere to go. Because I didn't do that Mm. until this most recent time. I always had it somewhere in the back of my mind. I'm able to leave this place and go back from where I came. Mm. That's why I'm going on. It's about the four month. We get these little chips. Yeah. And we get celebrated every month. You get a new chip color, you know, it's like blue chip and you get, you walk up there, you get the chip. I just took the white chip. It was 90 days and I'm coming on to the, uh, the yellow chip. It's four months. Mm -hmm. And I told D I said, I don't know why I'm counting anymore. I mean, I, I like being able to say 120 days, but what am I counting for? Is it because when I get to 300 days, it, I won and I get to celebrate and I get to drink again. Like I just want it to be part of my personality. Just like how it was drinking was part of my personality. I just want to be part of my personality. Like Andrew doesn't drink. We don't, he just doesn't do that anymore. Tony Robbins talks talks about that where you said for someone that was trying to quit smoking, uh, I think he had given the advice. I'm like, well, why are you counting? Like if it, 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 because even the counting can be a part of identity sometimes. And he had just made the suggestion of like, you just know that you're no longer a smoker and the power of that identity shift and how for some people it clicks over like that, that helps them where for other people it is counting that might keep them accountable, mm-hmm. right? Like streak minded people. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a powerful thing where it's like the identity of that, of just like, I don't, I don't drink. Right. That's, it's just, I, 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 broke up with alcohol like i don't drink anymore i'll tell you why we count because there's someone sitting in that room Mm. who doesn't can't wrap his mind around the fact that you could go four months without drinking and for you to raise your hand say i'm andrew i'm an alcoholic today i'm celebrating four months there's someone in that room who you saved that day Mm. yeah to give hope that matters because that's That's happening to me yeah that matters. That's a good the way to put only it. way you will keep your sobriety is when you start to give it away. Oh, that's it. That's so good. That's it's just it. so encouraging when they, you know, when you, because I'm the, I'm the guy telling the guy at 30 days, I go, hey, something clicks at 30 days. Hang in there. Something clicks at 45. So yeah. I get it. When someone goes, hey, you're almost at 90 days. Watch what happens at 90 days. Oh, you're almost at a year. So I get that. I get that. That's beautiful. All right, guys, before we uh, move on to our next segment, do you guys have any advice that you would give to anyone who may resonate with your story or any advice you think that would help someone out who's gone through similar situations? I think he just said he gave me one of the best ones. Burn the ships. Don't even. Burn the boats. Burn the boats. I love that. Yeah, I think there are a lot of different ways to go about breaking up with alcohol and drugs. Okay. The only one that has ever worked for me, you know, I spent $75,000 on rehab and it worked for 12 years, but it didn't work Mm. for an hour a day going and sitting with like-minded people who think the same way, who hurt the same way. It's mentorship. Mm. It's, it's going into an AA meeting and being humble enough to admit that there's someone in that room who has what you want. And if you're willing to listen to them, you can figure out how to get it. When I came in, it was real shiny, okay. real shiny on the outside. Okay. 
I mean, you would you would look at at my list of accomplishments or my list of possessions, which yeah. is the way the world judges totally. us. And would you go? You would think what? he's got it all figured out. What is this guy yeah. doing in here? Yeah. But the pain on the inside. I sometimes, I sometimes wish there was an old smoking ad. I'm sure you guys remember it. Maybe you're too young, but it said if smoking did to your outsides what it did to your oh, insides, yep, yep. would you still smoke? And it yep. sh- showed a woman covered in like mucus and scars and everything on the outside. Yep. I wish to some degree that as humans, you could see the pain. You could see it yeah. because then we would know who needs Just our love. Yeah. Mm. Okay. The default now is to treat everyone like they need it. <sighs> Don't be selective. Everyone is fighting a battle on some level. Mm-hmm. Love them through it, regardless of race, religion, yes. socioeconomic, cultures, political differences. Lead with love. Mm. I love that. It's so good. Yeah. And I will say this, knowing both of you guys, like even just on a personal level, there is a light in both of you that is so contagious. You and you guys are in a room, that light and that joy and, and that essence of what has helped you heal yourself, it bleeds out. It bleeds out in Thank such you. a beautiful way. Like Thank you. It's, it's, it is, you guys are so magnetic that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's like being at your office and getting to see you as Dr. <laughs> Wilkes versus Paul or like racing you up the stairs or Andrew, like getting to be in your kitchen where you get to be the boss yeah. or even just getting to work out next to you and sweat with you. It's like that, essence and joy and light and holy spirit within you guys it it impacts more people than i think you know we talk about it often like we always talk about obviously the stuff that we're going to talk about before the podcast and we were just both like man talking about both of you guys and the impact that you've had not just on us you guys have been a part of some really major moments in our life and life change but there's this encouragement and this magnetic energy in both of you that just makes you feel good being around you guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That means yeah. a lot. It's the it's the fruit of the spirit. It is the fruit, fruit of the spirit. spirit. Uriah is. just learned about fruit of the spirit. He's got a song he sings now. It's pretty lit. So are we. We're learning about fruit of the spirit. Too, yeah. Every day. All right, guys. Let's move on to our obsession of the week. Obsession of the week. Obsession of the week. Lady Lady first. Ooh, this week my obsession of the week is Aware Coffee. Aware Coffee. Shout out to Aware Coffee. Shout out to Aware Coffee. So they just opened a location, or maybe not just, it's a newer location though, off of Blue Diamond and Rainbow. It's right by the house. I normally, I've been doing really good on my budget life and making my own coffee. I even got myself some lavender syrup. And I normally only get either black Americanos or like a lavender Americana. That's like my treat. But they have a little seasonal menu out. And I treated myself and I got <laughs> the little blackberry foam lavender latte with coconut milk. Wow. That sounds amazing. It's like it's a mouthful <laughs> and it's way fancier and like sweeter than anything I would normally drink. But mama wanted a treat. And let me tell you. Probably looks treat great yourself. Too, right? it, it, it was beautiful. Yeah. It you know, it has like a nice little lavender cream top. Oh wow. <laughs> and I gotta tell you guys, I like I'm still thinking about it. So that's been my obsession. <laughs> that's of the week. where you want to go normally, after this. Yes, to- probably. Although, yeah. and maybe a mochi donut. Because like they're not gluten free, but they're gluten friendly. Whatever that means. Yeah. But I'll just ignore yeah. the ingredients and eat it. It's fine. I love it. So shout out to Aware Coffee. I love them. Yeah, Doctor Wilkes, what you got, man? Um, obsession of the week. My obsession of the week. It's funny. Um, I hadn't given it much thought till you guys just brought it up. <laughs> my obsession this week has been probably my obsession every week for the last six years and it is falling in love with my wife every every day dude they're so if you don't follow them on social you need to it's like you guys need a reality show you guys would do so well like they you guys just look like you have the best time and i mean you're a great time period so anyone that would put up with you has got to be amazing she yeah yeah i mean i don't know i just every day I can't believe I have this like overwhelming sense of gratitude mm. that I, I have another chance to fall in love with her. Mm. And it just keeps happening. I mean, and I'll tell you one thing. She is really easy on the eyes. Oh, yeah, she is. I'm the guy that when we walk into a restaurant, guys are like, how the fuck did that happen? I'm like, I'm like, dude, I've been asking that same question for six years. I don't get that. I have no idea. I got I'm, that, I'm that guy, right? I love that but so much. But she's real easy on the eyes. There is nothing on her outside. 
that even scratches the surface of all her inner beauty. Ugh. Funny, charitable, giving, kind. I mean, yeah. everything. It sounds so cliche. No, I love it. Keep it going. Always, we need more of this. There's just always another level that I find yeah. on the regular where I'm like, I, I didn't even know that was in there. Isn't that like the mat? I think that's like the magical part of really finding like your person. Cause I always feel that way about, Oh, like I'll tell him all the time, little things that he does or moments with the kids that I get to see him evolve as a man or a father. And I'm like, I just like, didn't know I could be more nuts about you. And I am yep. like obsessed. Like I, I, I keep getting to discover more, which just seems crazy. Cause it's, I mean, you know, we were like kids when we got together in yeah. mid twenties, hot messes, but like 14 years together and to still find that little magic. Yeah, is, like I'm a, like the most I've ever been in love with you now, 14 years in, you know, and it wild. just keeps growing. It's, it's amazing. such a cool it's a thing. thing. And it is that thing. Like if you're around that or you have men, people, right. Mentors that feel that way. It's like, it really does help evoke that stuff in your life. Like if you surround yourself with people that are in love with their marriage and in love with their life, you're like, I want some of that. Yep. You, that joy that you got in your heart. Give me some of that. Yeah, you yeah. know, you guys have that. Oh, I love it. Andrew. Speaking of love. Speaking of love. Speaking of love, <laughs> my wife's pretty awesome too. Yeah, D. Hi, Shout D. out to D. She's, a, she's the a secret bear. sauce. Yeah, she is. She's a, a woman of God too. She yeah. led me to my face. She's so great. She's so awesome. So like when we have busy lives and sometimes she just wants me to sit down, sit still. And <laughs> we've been watching this show called Love on the Spectrum. Oh, oh I've oh seen the social oh. media clips. We don't have a TV, it's but so dude. Adorable. Yes. It's so cute. Yes. If anyone out there hasn't seen it, please go watch it. It's on Netflix. <laughs> oh. And it's about um, adults that are on the autistic spectrum that are trying to find love. I love that. And they're just the most genuine and soft and intelligent human beings that are just so courteous to each other. And it just kind of shows you what you could be in, yeah. in, a, in a partner and as a person, just to go back to your gentleness and go back to your patience. And, and they're just so bright and happy and authentic. Yeah. Dean, and I watch it and we just look at, <laughs> they'll say something really cute. And we just go look at each other like, Oh, that we is need so to be cute. like that. Yeah. yeah I love yeah. that. I love you that will, I, I'll tell you, if you watch one episode of it, you will laugh and cry. Oh, no doubt. Every episode. No doubt. It's crazy. I believe it. Cause I've seen some of the clips and I've like, I think I sent a couple to you it's, where I'm just like, Oh my gosh. It's like, so cute. Sometimes I do miss TV just for a little bit. It's, it's so cute. That show. All right. Let's say my obsession of the week. I mean, for the past probably six months, but we've been on the raw dairy kick. Yeah. You know, like we got to pick up raw milk. The uh, black market pick, raw milk. Yeah, the black market raw milk. Never thought that's butter. what I was picking up on the black market would be raw milk. Raw but that's honey. Yeah. And we're just learning like how like there's so many healing properties in this, you know, like they've demonized, they've demonized dairy and, you know, everyone's lactose intolerant and then they push almond milks and oat milks and then we find out they're full of seed oils and, you know, you start to realize and you start diving deep into some research on like, there's a big the, difference between conventional dairy and raw milk. Yeah, for sure. Big time. What so. corner do I go to? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, need that plug. I got you. I, I got to you. Send you the email list so you get the up. newsletter weekly. Right. Yeah, for sure. I'm so down. yeah, man. Raw dairy has been my obsession of the week. I know, and the kids are on that too. Now they we're love it. now it's like is it rotten? Yeah, that's rotten. what Ryan that's says. What Ryan says. Uriah doesn't realize that it's raw milk, and so I say, Dad, are we getting more rotten milk? <laughs> rotten. <laughs> raw. Like, it's definitely not rotten. And then let's go ahead and close out with some gratitude. Three things that you guys are grateful for. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I am super grateful to have two, like an old friend and a newer friend, but both members and both men that have had such an impact on my husband Ooh. to have you guys on the podcast and just to have the vulnerability to talk about your guys' journey, like you being four months in, you having... Just the, I think the all eyes on you and the fact that in the medical field, people don't talk about that. I just respect it so much. And like I said, seeing people heal always kind of helps me heal a little bit. So I'm really, really gracious for that. Uh, number two, man, I'm super grateful for our coaches. I was thinking about how we were, we're still just kind of coming off, not feeling great when we died for like a week and just watching how much they jump in and help and how much they care about our members. I just have been marinating on that and yeah, super grateful for that. them. Um, and lastly, I'm, I'm super grateful for destiny. One of our members I, uh, today, she had had uh, Achilles rupture from playing volleyball. Yeah. And that is a gnarly 
injury. And we've had people in the gym in the past suffer from that. And then they usually kind of fade off because it's just so hard to, in such a long recovery process. And I was watching her today and she was doing, she couldn't do the run, but she was doing the walk. walk. Yeah. And I just thought like, mm. I'm so grateful for her tenacity and her commitment to herself and mm -hmm. her commitment to our community. Cause she's showing, you know, it is like, if you're in the gym, you're not just showing up for yourself. You're kind of showing up for your friends too. Right. Like it's your community. And I just was super grateful watching her thinking like, man, way to show up and mm -hmm. way, to set, way to set that example for other people too, that like there are going to be different seasons of injury or setbacks or you're not going to be able to give it 110% of workout exactly the way you want to or as many days because your schedule is busy. And it's like she was doing that for herself, but she had no idea probably the impact that it had on others. So yeah. Shout out to Destiny. Shout Love out her. to Destiny. Woo woo. <laughs> what you got, Wilkes? Uh, first and foremost, grateful for um, grateful for my faith. Mm. It's my faith is the foundation of my life, and uh, I've I've been able to build so much upon that. So mm. my faith is number one. Always is number one. Very close second, my family. Mm -hmm. Everything I do is for my family, the people I love. Mm -hmm. And uh, and when I say family, there are people who are not blood relatives, but they're family. Yeah. I mean, you guys have those people in your lives too. Totally. right? And I am exceptionally grateful uh, to have you guys invite me on and to, mm. to trust me with this platform. Oh, and yeah. I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. I, uh, it means a lot. Yeah, we're honored to have you, man. I mean, you delivered our babies. You know, it's like after that, the trust level goes way up. You know <laughs> what I right. mean? That's right. What you got, Andrew? Yeah, just I just want to lead off by thanking Jesus for I'm grateful for him and dying on the cross and as a criminal and as a sinner, like he was one when he wasn't, so that I can die like I wasn't, like I was never one mm. as well. Um, my wife, so grateful for her, grateful for her having my back at all times mm -hmm. and I'm also grateful for my clients and customers that all trusted me to be part of their healthy lifestyle. Yeah. I love that, man. And the food is bomb. And the food is bomb. Just saying. I'm grateful for you guys being here, honestly, to, to share your story. I think more people need to share their stories, yeah. you know, cause I think in this world we live in, we all think we're going through it alone and we're not, we're all facing similar, if not the same struggles, you know, like you said, hurts and traumas and physical abuse and sexual abuse and you know substance abuse and all those things and it's like the more you share your story the more it gives hope to others you know so i'm grateful for you guys coming on and sharing your story uh, we did uh, momentum men's camp this morning and just another opportunity for guys to just share their stories again Good and it, like there's just power in that we're just walking and talking really you know talking about things that are on our bucket list or our big goals or big dreams for this big year, breakthroughs. big breakthroughs. Um, we talked about some affirmations and stuff and guys were just able to share and it just feels good to just talk and just get it off your chest, share your story. You never know who we can have an impact on. And then uh, last but not least, I'm grateful for my wife. She woke up again this morning early with me to send me off to Momentum, have my coffee ready, had a nice little breakfast she brought for me to the gym. I'm just so grateful for your support and all mm. you do for me. Like I wouldn't, be where I am today without you. Aww. I love you, boo. I love you too. That's a wrap. Episode six in the books. There we go. In the books, boo. Thank you guys again. Yeah, Dr. you bet. Thanks, Thank guys. You guys. Chef Thanks for Andrew. Me. It's been an honor having you guys on. Boo, tell them the good news. All right, guys. Just remember that you're made with a purpose on purpose. And we are so grateful that you spent your time with us. Fit Force. Fit Force, you know, woo. On three. One, One two, three. Fit Force, Force you know, woo. woo. You, you can, can believe, believe that. that. <laughs> you can believe that. <laughs> 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 <laughs>